listening to Inside Expert by Econ One Research. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, your host, Stephanie Arnold. Um, hi, and welcome back to the show, Dr. Phil Johnson. Thank you, Stephanie. It's great to be back. For those who might have missed your first episode, would you mind giving us a quick um, recap on who you are and what you do at Econ One? Well, I'm a managing director of a group here at Econ One. Uh, work a lot on antitrust and other economic issues, especially involving complicated data analysis. Great. Well, we are happy to have you back. And this round of podcasting, we've been asking everybody, what was your first job? Hmm. My first job was as a paperboy. I delivered the uh, Herald Examiner in Los Angeles, and uh, I won Paperboy of the Month one one time. Paperboy of the yes. Month. That's awesome. Did you ride around on your bike or were you just like, you know, walk door to door? Uh, started out on my bike and uh, later on shifted to walking through a, a senior, big senior complex. Ah, very, very cool. Well, I understand that you are here today um, because you've been working on indirect purchaser cases and you want to talk to us a little bit about the increasing challenges economists face in such suits. My question to start it out is, what are indirect purchaser suits? An indirect purchaser suit is one that's brought by end users, usually consumers, of a, of a product for which there has been collusion by the manufacturers, either of that product or of components of that product. Are those the only kind of antitrust cartel suits? No, and uh, in fact, the Supreme Court gave direct purchasers, uh, through a case called Illinois Brick, the exclusive right under federal law to recover damages. Uh, direct purchasers are distributors or OEMs, whoever it is who bought the product from the actual cartel. And so they have the right to recover damages, even though uh, they later resell the products to, uh, to other, other entities or even consumers. The court's thinking in, in that was that direct purchasers have more of an incentive to be watchful for collusion and to sue when they suspect it. And that would make them better enforcers than consumers who only spend maybe, you know, they buy a notebook or they buy some small small product and wouldn't have a lot of incentive to bring cases. So indirect purchasers kind of got left out from this, by the Supreme Court decision from being able to recover damages for their purchases. Almost got left out. Yeah. Uh, the, the court's concern was about uh, defendants having to pay damages multiple times for the same collusion. Uh, but then in 1989, the Supreme Court held that that restriction only applies to federal antitrust law, and states could allow indirect purchasers to seek damages under state law. So now there are many states that have antitrust laws that give indirect purchasers standing to sue. Phil, besides compensating injured consumers, are there other reasons indirect purchaser suits are important? Yeah. The enforcement by direct purchasers might not be enough. Uh, direct purchasers, they're often big product manufacturers. They're most focused on their future profits from the continuing relationship with those same colluding manufacturers. So given that, uh, they may not be so concerned about recovering past overcharges, and they may not be so effective in providing a deterrent effect against collusion. And you say that indirect purchaser actions have difficulties succeeding? Yeah. There's a lot of analysis required, more analysis than in a direct purchaser case. And recently, the bar for showing impact on indirect purchasers seems to have become even higher. 
on top of analyzing the amount of overcharges for indirect purchasers, like we have to do for direct purchasers, economists also have to analyze the pass-through of those overcharges into the finished products themselves. And that latter requirement, in conjunction with the requirement of showing that every purchaser in the class was injured, is particularly tough. It means showing that it was likely that every single purchaser in the class was injured. And some of those cases involve small electronic components used in many different types of finished products. But what specifically makes it so tough? Well, it means that there's a lot of different market segments that courts want to see us analyze for all the types of finished products in the class and for all the different levels of distribution they pass through, you know, the manufacturer level, distributor level, retailer level. So there's ends up being really a lot of data that we have to collect and analyze. Well, can you give us a, an example? Sure. Uh, one of defendants' recent lines of attack has been that it's common for uh, sellers, for firms, especially retailers, to use price points when they sell their products, $5.99, $6.99, you know, some round number or sort of round number when they're selling to consumers. And they, they argue that because of that, pass-through cannot occur. They say that a retailer is not going to change their price for the effects of a modest overcharge. Well, how can there be an impact if they do that? Well, there's a lot of economic research about what happens when costs change in situations where prices can't or don't adjust. For example, in industries like healthcare or utilities that are regulated. What happens there is that firms invariably adjust their quality to maintain their profit margins. And the courts don't buy that? I think they would if, if the argument was made clearly, but the, uh, the past literature hasn't addressed price points specifically. The results from the research I mentioned on regulation and healthcare and utilities, though it's, it's clear and directly applicable to, to this situation. Higher costs mean lower quality if price can't be raised. In the context of collusion, that means that consumers are injured by collusion even on a component of the product they purchased. So Phil, what do you see as a solution? Well, courts want to see more than just the theory. They want to see data analysis. And it is harder to analyze data, it is harder to analyze quality than it is to analyze price. So economists need to combine the theoretical frameworks with data and documents from industry participants about how manufacturers modify their product designs to hit cost targets maintain their margins and and support retail price targets. And that means there's a quality impact on consumers. So that story has to be told clearly with both theoretical frameworks and data and documentary evidence. If you could have just one or a few takeaways for our listeners about pass-through and indirect purchasers and and everything around that, what what would it be? Well, it's that indirect purchaser suits are, are really important. They're important to consumers who are injured, important as a deterrent to collusion, and economic evidence supports an, the use of indirect purchaser suits in both those roles. Well, Phil, it's been a pleasure having you back. Always a pleasure to be here, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. And if you guys would like to learn more about uh, Dr. Philip Johnson, head to our website at www.econ1.com. Thank you for joining us on Inside Expert.